to another episode of Friends of the Vine Wine Podcast. So in this episode, we're going to be joined up with Lawrence Francis. Lawrence runs the Interpreting Wine podcast. Lawrence and I met, I guess it was, what, a couple years ago now, Lawrence, eh? It was a few years ago. We met in London, where he's based out of. It was, yeah, I was just thinking back myself. It was about three years ago, yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, it's crazy how time flies. It's been three years. Lawrence's show has gone leaps and bounds since, since then. And uh, we're going to sit down and have a chat and, and kind of go through where his show is now. And uh, so, yeah, so uh, let's get right into it. Okay, yeah. As we were chatting earlier, um, mm. your show's really kind of gotten into some real specific areas. Uh, you know, you've really kind of started to focus down into a couple of different areas that um, and make kind of you know, five-part series and, and ten-part series on different areas. What what was your thinking? What was your thinking about uh, doing that kind of a, an idea? Yeah, it's interesting. I was I was literally because I remember our meeting almost in terms of the the episode number that I was up to. So I'm pretty pretty sure uh, you were around 198 in the in in the order. And and it's quite interesting because. I think that wasn't too long after I'd actually gotten back from uh, New York, which was like, I guess, my first big international uh, series, you know, spending uh, a week as I did um, over there in, in July 2018, uh, traveling around the Finger Lakes and traveling a little bit around Manhattan and Long Island and came back from from a week there with actually with 35 uh, episodes, <laughs> um, and uh, I guess it's 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 obviously great for a content producer to have um, so so much you know interview material and so much you know amazing podcast material. But I, I tried to kind of put myself in the shoes of the listener as well, and and and, and figured that if I didn't kind of try to help them out a little bit, then they they may get a little bit confused and. and you know, this, this 35 episodes could potentially sort of, you know, stretch out sort of almost infinitely into time. So um, I remember it was around that time that I made the decision to actually release them all uh, sequentially. So to release all 35 episodes sequentially um, in the order that they were recorded. And, and, and that really kind of gave me the idea that the listener could, could really kind of go on this journey with me because Obviously, I was asking kind of different questions on day one of the trip than I was asking on day four, than I was asking on day seven, you know, as I kind of got, got more knowledge and got to kind of put more of the pieces together. And I think that was really the first time that I, I did that. I just put them all together as a, as a series. And I, I just thought that that would be, um, yeah, the best listener experience. So I guess that was my kind of um, guiding light. And then... The other thing that was sort of in my mind as well was just how, you know, popular things like Netflix are and, and you know, series on BBC iPlayer and, you know, all the other sort of streaming services. And it's like, you know, people already are of the mind to kind of binge watch series, you know, kind of really get involved into a series and immerse themselves and lose themselves into a, into a plot line over, you know, several hours at a time. 
and it was my hunch that, you know, why wouldn't they do the same with audio as well? Why wouldn't they want to kind of lose themselves and binge listen, <laughs> if you like, when they, when they get the opportunity? So it was really those two things, just looking at what was happening more widely, but then also just being presented with this massive stack of um, content and, and, and trying to organize it. And that was really where uh, series and, and, and uh, yeah, podcast series were, were really born for me and for, for Interpreting Wine. You, and you've done a couple of those now. I think you went to Austria as well. And, uh, you, and as, you, as we kind of talked about a little bit, you, you kind of ran the W set, mm. a, a lot of conversations about, uh, about the W set program as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's interesting because I, I guess the, the sort of the immediate precursor to the New York series was actually uh, being invited by the Austrian Wine Marketing Board to, to go over to their uh, big wine fair that they have every two years, which is called Via Venum. So that was Via Venum uh, June, I believe it was, uh, 2018. Um, and they have it every, every two years. And so you have all, like all of the big, uh, well, just everyone really, all, all the, pretty much the whole of the Austrian wine industry is all there, all, all kind of under one, uh, one roof. And you kind of get to you know, meet them all and taste with them all. It's like a you know, massive tasting in, in the middle of this um, incredible palace in the middle of Vienna. Um, so that was, yeah, that was, that was, that was a series, but I kind of didn't really release them all sequentially. It was, a, you know, it was a little bit disjointed, I, I think, but you know, it still, still kind of made sense. Um, and so that, yeah, they, they were essentially like the, yeah, the, 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 the kernel, uh, and where it really all started from, but I've really run with the idea, you know, but I think because, um, you know, especially in, in 2018 and 2019, I was really focusing on, uh, on, on always on quality, um, but I was really focusing, I would say, more so in those two years, 2018 and 2019, on quantity as well. And it was, it was really, I think, my way of exploring the medium of podcasting. To me, the most exciting way and actually the best way to learn wasn't to do a course, wasn't to read a bunch of books. Um, and it wasn't even really to kind of copy anyone else. It was just to have an idea and then go out into the world and make it a reality, you know, go out and, and, and just do it and see what the feedback was like, you know, not even, even so much on the, on the listener numbers at that point, it was just, you know, what did anybody enjoy it? You know, I'll post about it on Instagram. Do I get likes? Do I get comments or uh, and just how do how how do i feel you know i think you know i think instinctively i'm sure you can relate to this as as a, a content producer yourself and as a podcaster yourself you know when you when you play it back to edit it kind of in the cold light of day you get that feedback you kind of know oh I, i'm happy with how that went or i wish i'd done this differently or i wish i'd done that differently i think that kind of immediate feedback combined with you know what people were sort of uh, yeah, what they were saying and, and, and how they're interacting, it kind of then led me on this journey to just sort of play around with that and do, um, you know, it's really, you know, I, I haven't counted the number of series, but, but it, it's quite substantial. I mean, I would say it's probably um, more than 20 series now, which some of them focus on um, specific regions. Uh, some of them focus on specific uh, importers. Uh, some on pr different producers, um, like really 
genuinely, you know, all sorts of different topics and, and, and using that same kind of filter, like, is this, is this interesting to me as a topic? Is, you know, is this kind of getting my, getting my juices flowing? And do I think this is going to be interesting to, to the listener? Is this something that I think they'll enjoy? Um, and not even necessarily trying to keep everybody happy all the time, which I don't, I don't think you can do, but is there a subset here? Is there a sort of 15, 20% who are really going to, you know, freak out because I'm, I've gone to Lisbon and I've, and I've traveled around Lisbon and I've done a, a bunch of interviews with them, um, not even specifically with the winemakers, but, you know, just with people in the kind of cultural scene in Lisbon, is that going to be exciting to people? Um, so yeah, that's, that's, that's the, that's where it started. And, that's really where it ended up was it was just this yeah uh, exploration i would say and and um you know i'm thankful the listeners came along with that and i think it's it's taken me into you know very different areas and to you know very different um audiences as well which which i'm you know super happy about of course i completely agree with the idea that getting you know it's got to mean something to you getting your juices flowing and it's got to mean something to you as mm. the, you know the person on the other end of the mic right get get yourself uh interested in and at the end of the day you've got to enjoy you know the person you're talking with and it's somebody that you're you know really interested in in meeting and um you've definitely like you said you've definitely increased your scope to the especially with london you've increased your scope to uh mm. you know wine and food uh the whole the whole scene overall as well yeah, one one hundred percent. I mean, and I think you know where where it probably again just looking back at you know some other some other uh, sort of yeah I guess um, roots of 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 the structure you know was actually just you know getting an idea to just do a one off on you know for example just going along to a restaurant um, you know and speaking to the chef you know just having 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 a deep dive into you know what where's the chef from. Um, you know what's their background what are the, what are the things that they changed when they came in the in the door you know and and you know tying it back to wine of course um i remember one you know one sort of fairly ep- early episode like that was going along to a uh, a restaurant called p franco which is a, you know sort of a pretty um yeah it's a, it's a kind of epic uh, little natural wine bar um in in uh, northeast london and uh yeah you know they 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 won i think it was you know back in 2017 or something they won like restaurant of the year you know in london and and they're not a restaurant <laughs> you know they're, they're just a they're just a, a you know a shop and a, and a and a bar but but they had a couple of hot plates down the end and you know they have uh, interesting chefs coming in and using interesting ingredients um and you know it was just that was just a really interesting story to me and it was like okay uh, you know i think people that maybe um you know go to p franco for the wine and you know know it as somewhere to go and and have wine and have great food you know they maybe never get to speak to the chef you know because it's as sure you can imagine it's pretty small pretty compact you know on a, on a busy night when when people are there and maybe spilling out into the street you're going to be with your friends you're going to be chatting you're going to be just having a good time and the chef's going to be busy, you know. So I don't think anyone's really going to have much time for for for, for chit chat. And that to me was just like very interesting. It was like going along in the middle of the day when he's doing his prep for the evening, 
yeah, I remember, you know, he had they've got this massive table in the middle of the of the of the bar, and he was, you know, laying out his fresh pasta for the evening, rolling it out, and we just sat down there, you know, at, at the table with this with this pasta next to us, and um, yeah, just I guess as I say, just sort of had that kind of conversation that I thought would be really interesting for some of those regulars as much as anybody else, you know, just to sort of understand a bit more about the kind of drives and the interests and just even just hear the voice, you know, of the person who is cooking those amazing uh, meals that they, that they, they have either have enjoyed in the past or hopefully even having listened to the episode, you know, we'll, we'll want to try and seek out in the future. I think that's one of the things I've always enjoyed about, you, about your show is that uh, it's, you know, in person, it's uh, mm. live uh, on the spot, and um, <laughs> some of your ambient background, some of the ones you did with, you know, at, at Sager and Wild, like that yeah. one, like that one with a chef, with, where you've got that background, got the background uh, ambient n- uh, noise, and you've got. Um, there's just something about, yeah, uh, as as a listener, uh, as much as you know, Zoom and Skype and all these other. Uh, avenues have have assisted but just having that in-person feel uh just adds another another layer another texture to to a podcast oh yeah i I couldn't agree more you know i i really really couldn't and um you know i i I think that's that's something that you know i've i've never i will be honest you know been too precious about you know I, i i actually you know because people would ask me they'd say oh how do you how do you get so many episodes out as you do? You know, I mean, in, in 2018, I, I, I published 220 episodes, you know, that, that was obviously helped a lot by the, by the New York um, episodes, you know, sort of 35 uh, out of the 220. But um, I would say more importantly than even, even the New York sort of boost, um, it's just like not editing too much, you know, just really not, obsessing about getting it perfect and um you know getting getting the you know removing all of the filler words and and the and the some of the pauses but not all of the pauses you know sometimes the pause tells you a lot you know you ask a question and somebody pauses for for four or five seconds and then you know that kind of builds up a little bit of tension i think even you know as an interviewer like okay uh, what's coming out now and and i and i think and you know and i believe that that gets transmitted to the listener as well. It's like, you know, we know there's no uh, cut here. It's like, you've asked a question, they're probably having a little think here. So I, I think little things like that, that are just very natural, can be very effective at just grabbing people's attention, you know, because, you know, none of us have conversations in a, in a vacuum. You know, we don't, we don't have, we don't have conversations or phone calls or, um, you know, interactions that are in these like perfect bubbles, you know, there's always usually something going on in the background, you know, some, some distraction might kind of come in at any moment. Um, so I, so yeah, I just, I just kind of roll with it, you know, uh, thinking back actually to, you know, really, really funny experience from one of the earlier episodes was actually, uh, episode 15, uh, I interviewed uh, a sommelier in London called Honey Spencer, um, and she at, at that time was uh, was head sommelier at a, a, res- a restaurant called Nula. And again, you know, kind of went in there in the daytime. 
the ground floor of Nula was very buzzy. You know, I think they were just sort of finishing uh, lunch service. So, you know, there was still lots of lots of hubbub going on and, you know, lots, lots happening. It wasn't really the right environment, you know, even even for me, kind of, you know, gonzo and uh, recording on the on the go it still was a bit a bit much so she said oh we can just go down into the into the basement bar you know which was empty of course it was daytime so nobody's in the sort of bar speakeasy type area um but the really funny thing that happened though was uh it was you know, it was amazing conversation really again really free-flowing and she just really went with that um but literally as we were signing off as we were sort of you know closing out the interview the fire alarm <laughs> went off and it was probably something coming down, uh, you know, from the ducts uh, after lunch or something. Um, and as I say, it was literally, it was like, it was like 30 seconds. She was literally just finishing off her last couple of sentences, but it was, you know, we just, we made a bit of a joke of it. And then she even says on the tape, she's like, Oh God, I'm, I'm sorry. Sorry if I'm, uh, you know, thrown off a little bit here, but the fire alarm was just gone off. And I think she thought I was going to edit it out, but I left it in because it was like, you know, that just gives you the kind of the the, the context, you know, it can, anything can happen. And, and I kind well, of like that. I like that uh, feeling as well. You know, sure. anything can happen in life and anything can happen when you're listening to the podcast. Well, and I think even the same thing with me, like with, um, we always joke about my chihuahuas who end up in all the episodes, but um uh, I interviewed Jason. I interviewed Jason Wise, who's you know the director of the Psalm films, and his little mm. girl came in and um, uh -huh. was bugging him for ice cream. Uh, <laughs> but it's a great. It's great because first of all, it also shows you. You know, if you were looking at a snapshot in time, here here mm. is a snapshot of a couple years ago where he can go. Oh yeah, that was when she was you know four years old or six years old, and here's a kind of a snapshot in time. And here she is, you know, in there bugging him for ice cream and, and uh, you know, so it's a great kind of, it's a great moment. The same thing, I, I left it in because it, it, it just shows, you know, it shows the the, the person and, and um, the character. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Yeah. I couldn't agree more. The, the, yeah. the, the other thing, though, that, again, it, it was totally unexpected. Um, but actually, I had a, another friend kind of contacted me after, after listening to that episode to, to, to kind of tell me something funny that had happened to him as a result of that. So he was actually um, in Madrid and he was on the train listening to that episode. And, you know, as you do, you just sort of, you know, maybe zone out a little bit or you're like, OK, they're about to finish now. And da, 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 da. and then out of nowhere, through his, through his earphones, <laughs> this fire alarm goes off and he, bless him, he jumps up on the metro in in the madrid metro thinking that there was <laughs> there was a fire alarm on the madrid metro and he jumps up like we got to get off we got to get off obviously with his with his headphones on and he looks around like why isn't anybody else <laughs> jumping up here and then of course and then he sort of i think you know lifted lifted the earphones off and realized oh shit that's just me that's just that's just coming through the podcast so uh, yeah, often un unintended uh, consequences. So if anyone That's else is listening that's happened yeah. to, then sorry, sorry, not sorry. But uh, yeah. yeah, it's, it's uh, funny. <laughs> it wasn't the intention. <laughs> um, you're mentioning that natural wine bar, the P. Franco one. Um, I'm just curious, um, what's what's in your palate, uh, or sorry, what's in your, your glass these days? Uh, I know natural wine's been a big... A big thing in the last um you know five years or whatever it's really got a big movement 
And I'm just curious if that's something that you're interested in or what's, what's something that you're, you're consuming these days. Yeah, that's good. Good question. Um, I mean, I, I think the, 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 the thing with me is, is really, um, as also I think, cause I just have really bad memory for, for, you know, wine labels and, um, you know, even sometimes for, for different grape styles that, that are in, um, that are in the wines I, I like, but I would say, you know, where I'm, where I'm going out to, to buy, uh, to buy a bottle, I will, I like to, to almost be led by the importer because I think that's, that's really for me, you know, I, and again, I know that I'm sort of, I've got that knowledge because I've interviewed a lot of them, you know, because I've gone to their tastings because I've gone to their bars and I, you know, I really know, um, you know, what I'm going to find at, you know, just, you know, name a few, you know, like at a, at a newcomer wines, you know, that they, they focus on wines from Austria, Hungary, Switzerland, Czech Republic, this, this whole region, just that, you know, the very sort of North of uh, Italy, Alto Adige. And I, you know, I know the owner, I know that, you know, they go for, for this sort of, it's almost, I would say, you know, it's almost towards the sort of, you know, the wines are naturally made, but I would say pretty much without exception, you, you, you know, if you tag them as natural wine, then you're probably bringing in connotations that aren't necessarily going to be accurate because, you know, the, you know, there's, they don't really have funky wines. They, they, they really, uh, you know, I, I believe they, they term their wines as you know, being very clean, very pure. Um, and, and moreover, a reflection of the place and the time and the person who made the wine. And I think that, you know, it's interesting for me that newcomer focus on the region, but there are many other importers in, in London who I think, you know, to me as a, as a, as a punter and, you know, as a, as a content creator, they, they fall into a similar kind of, um, characteristic, you know, so you know, I think people that's, like, yeah, I think that's even with, you know, just calling it minimal intervention as opposed to say natural where there's just the as, as least amount of, of, um, tinkering as possible. You're trying to let, let the wine do its thing, let the grapes, you know, and let the terroir speak. And if you put a little sulfur, you put a little sulfur, if you, you have to tweak a little bit here and there, but you just letting it, letting it speak. And that doesn't get that natural wine connotation or that funky connotation or whatever you want to call it because you're just boutique type small you know um small producer small you know less intervention right yeah i, I mean again it, I, I just i also find it very interesting that you know we're, the the, the nat, kind of natural wine conversation is still and just you know the conversation around that term is still happening because that you know that was very much one of the first, um, yeah, or really was the first series I ever did was, was going over to Denmark because I'd, I'd, you know, read so much about Copenhagen and, and about the natural wine scene there and the natural wine movement there. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go and sort of, yeah, go and go and see what this is kind of all about really. And I, and I think it was interesting to me that, that they, because they'd really, um, I think because of the cuisine that they have there and I think because of just, yeah, just their own uh, lifestyle and I guess attitude to, to, to drinking and, and um, 
and to wine, you know, it was almost as though they had already kind of gone past that. It's got to be funky. Um, it's got to be have a crazy label. I think they'd already sort of gone past that to, as I, where I just sort of said, where I think that, you know, the, the, the best or the better importers in, in London are at where it's, you know, this has just got to be clean and it's got to, you know, you almost couldn't tell that it's naturally made or minimal intervention. It's just a, a damn good wine, but that, but that it's been made in a way that absolutely, um, you know, reflects and, and, and goes with, with the values of the importer and, 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 and they then sell on to other people that kind of have those um, same values. I would say though, I mean, I would add, I think it's important to say, um, you know, I think, you know, we, we are, and, you know, people who are working in wine and, and who are, you know, producing wine podcasts, who are importers, who are, you know, who are, you know, more, more, more further down the rabbit hole, I would say, you know, there's, I'd say there's a lot of other people out there who, you know, haven't either, either haven't started their journey or sort of quite early in their journey. And I would say that I think for a lot of them, and, you know, there's this little site called Google, which sort of backs this up, you know, natural wine is actually something that people are searching for. Um, I remember seeing the kind of search velocity graphs a few um, months ago, and it's like, you know, people are not really searching for biodynamic wine. People are not really searching for organic wine. But natural wine is something that resonates with them. It's, you know, it's a term that, that people remember, and they obviously intentionally go looking for in Google. So well, I, I do I, think it's, it's interesting, um, you know, window into, as I say, going further down the rabbit hole, for some of these people who are coming from for sure. uh, either other drinks or just not drinking and just coming into wine. <laughs> well, you look, you look at the, the, the diets and the desire to be clean and talking about all these things that people don't like in wines, headaches, the headaches and the, um, mm. you know, the histamines in wine and the, all those things that, you know, low alcohol content and all these kind of things. And those are definitely uh, things that, you know, people are now realizing that natural wines may, may assist them. It will probably surprise um, a lot of people to know that I just was not into wine at all. I I think on one level I was scared of wine. Uh, I would shy away from ordering it if I went out. Um, I even just going into like Waitrose and going into the wine section, I was like I, I was lost. You know, I just didn't kind of didn't didn't know where to go, and and that was up until sort of end of two thousand and fifteen. Um, and then really, really strange, um, uh, sequence of events happened. Um, it started, it started, it was over, so it was over Christmas. It was a lead up to, um, New Year's Eve, um, I believe, yeah, 2015. Um, and I got really bad food poisoning. And I, at the time I was living down in Southampton and, uh, we kind of, I had a, uh, usual appointment you know a kind of new year's eve with my spanish friends and we'd go and we'd drink and we'd eat the eat the 12 grapes at um at the stroke of new year's over in madrid and but this wasn't happening this year because i was in bed i literally i couldn't move it was it was really bad and um but the but the interesting thing was my brain was super active but i was just i was just laid out i literally didn't eat anything for a week um, and, and I think it was just knowing that they were there all having drinks. My, my mind just drifted to, to drinks and, and I was in bed and I just had my laptop. And I remember just focusing because I liked Spain. I found a series of videos that 
with a guy who importing Spanish wine and, and Portuguese wine and Italian wine into America and he'd made a series of videos where he sat down um, with his brother and they just just had a chat about wine and I guess thinking back now um, they were the first that was the first set of videos they were the first people that really just spoke about it in a, such a normal way in a, such an accessible way that I was hooked that they had about 30 videos on on their um, YouTube channel and all that time I was sort of laid up in bed I watched all of them you know twice and and I just devoured it and then before I was sort of back on my feet I'd already ordered about two or three books and it was just then just voracious so I, I guess in a way I was kind of making up for lost time I just was on this hunt for knowledge um, and then I very quickly realized when once the books arrived and I started to read the books and so many um, authors they write in their books and I think it's right you know you can't learn about wine from a book you know and, and I think I thought that I could I, th I think I thought I could kind of learn about wine without actually facing my demon in a way and actually going and buying some wine and going and drinking some wine and um yeah it was it was very much the I remember you know just going to a, a wine shop over in Fareham which is you know close to Southampton which was as far as I could tell was like you know one of the better wine shops around the area and just starting to have a conversation about Spanish wine and, and that was definitely my my starting point um, and specifically white wines from Galicia which I still love I still really have a soft spot for and um, yeah just it was that it was just yeah growing on the knowledge um, now trying the wine getting a bit more adventurous about the wine um, trying stuff that I didn't like and um, I think over the, this you know overall the 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 trend and the thing that I think that's stood me in great stead to get from that point there where I'm you know I'm sort of experimenting with a few um you know not outrageous um Spanish wines to now where you know I think I'm, I've got a, a a much better idea about my palate and what I like and what I don't like and um you know who I who I want to talk to and producers I want to try and producers I want to go and visit I think is is just surrounding myself with people that know more than I do and I just think that that is the key thing that has led me on that on that path and and has kept me um growing I guess and as as just kept me moving in motion and moving forward and it's something I still try to do today. I think we're going to leave it there for now. Thanks for listening. For more wine conversation and podcast updates, you can follow us on Instagram at Ian's Wine Truths. Check out our website for great photos of our guests friendsofthevine.podbean.com take care have a glass for me